Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. tell you, I was, uh, uh, got a little emotional today. Uh, Ben and I have four sons. One lives out of state, but we have three sons here today, and uh, they have family with them, and I'm just going to ask that uh, our son Nate and his wife would stand, and my son Andre and my son Joshua and their family would stand, please. Thank you. Isn't that a good-looking family? (laughs) Amen. If there was anyone who we know surrendered his will and his way for God's plan and purpose, it was the Apostle Paul. As we read through the letters that he penned through the New Testament, we can see that his relationship with God is authentic and real. Why else would he be willing to go through all that he went through for the sake of the good news of Jesus Christ? His willingness to say yes, no matter the cost. Can I tell you why? Because it was personal. One day on the dusty, hot road to Damascus, Jesus the Messiah became real to Paul. He knocked him off his high horse and he said, why are you persecuting me? Paul said, Lord, is that you? And he said, yes. And at that moment, his heart was forever changed. God took his heart, hardened by the world, hardened by sin, hardened by all of the things that had happened in and through his life, and he replaced it with a heart of flesh. The Bible says that God replaces the heart of stone with a heart of flesh. Why? Because it gives us the ability to have a heart for the things of God. You know, at one time, Paul was lost, living in darkness. He was blind, but now he had seen the truth that the Messiah had come, the one that the Old Testament had prophesied about. Jesus indeed was the Messiah. He had been crucified, buried, and rose again. He came to take away the sins of the world, bringing the opportunity for eternal life for all of those who would be willing to place their faith in Jesus Christ. When you think about his yes and what it brought to Paul, he endured shipwrecks, he endured beatings, he endured imprisonment, stonings, and the list goes on and on and on. And eventually, the Apostle Paul surrendered his very life for the mission that God had called him to, to preach the good news of the gospel wherever his feet would take him. I sometimes look at that and I feel ashamed when there are times where I wake up on Sunday and I don't even want to come to church. What are we saying yes to when it comes to his will and his way? Are we willing to sacrifice 
what it is that God is calling us to so that if even one comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, the Bible says all of heaven rejoices. Can I tell you that it's worth it? Can I tell you that personally it's worth it? Can I tell you that whatever it is that God is calling you to do, that it's worth it? Because when you stand before God and he asks you what you did with his son Jesus, you'll be able to say, I reached out to the world around me and I shared the loving news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And that is when he will say, welcome home, my good and faithful servant. In our sermon series, The Letters Penned by Paul, Pastor John encouraged us to be obedient to God's calling. And you know what he said? He said, get in the game. Go all in for Jesus. Know that for yourself because, can I tell you, the world has absolutely nothing to offer you in comparison to the relationship that you will have with your Lord Jesus. When the storms come and the word of God promises that the storms will come and they are raging in your life, can I tell you this? I want my soul anchored to Jesus Christ. So when, that, when the winds come and the waves come, I will know that the hope that I have, the joy that I have, the peace that I have, if the world didn't give it, the world can't take it away. Last week, Pastor Brown talked to us about the encouragement that Paul gave Timothy, mentoring him and equipping him for the tasks of the ministry. Timothy was helping to build the church in Ephesus, and Paul was encouraging him with his love and his respect and appreciation for being a faithful messenger for Jesus Christ. Can I ask this question? Isn't it lovely when someone comes along and affirms you and encourages you and lets you know that you're doing all right? Can I get an amen? amen. Yeah. That is an example of what we ought to be doing to build up the body of Christ. So can I just say this? Every opportunity that you have, build someone up. Every opportunity that you have, encourage them. Every opportunity that you have, let them know, keep on keeping on. Amen? And I'm just going to say this. Please, every day, if there is one thing that you can do for our leaders of the church, Pastor Brown and, and Pastor John, pray for them every single day. Lift them up with your mouth. Encourage them in your heart. Pray that God will give them everything that they need to do what God has called them to do. Because can I tell you what? Ministry is not for sissies. It is not for the faint of heart. It is for those that love God and that are called according to his purpose that are going to do whatever it is that God calls them to do despite the cost. Paul passionately writes these letters telling Timothy that no matter what he has to go through in order to do what God has called him to do, he tells him to get up. He tells him to press through it to not give up, to always make sure that he is fulfilling the ministry that God has called him to do. And can I tell you why? Because whatever it is that was coming against Tif uh, Timothy could never be as powerful as God being for him. Amen? So I'm here to tell you that greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. Do not give up. Do not quit. You know, as we wrap up the uh, series, we find ourselves in the book of Titus. 
It's believed by some biblical scholars that Titus was converted under the ministry of Paul, and the reason why is because Titus was called my true child in the common faith. So after leaving Timothy in Ephesus to minister there, Paul accompanied Titus to the island of Crete. Now what you need to understand is it was charged to Titus to help build up the churches on the island of Crete, to take the men that were to be in position of leadership and to teach them the word of God and to make sure that their character and their behavior and all that they were doing matched the word of God so that those coming into the church would have the respect to follow their leadership. Paul wrote this letter around A.D. 63, and the apostles' release from his first Roman imprisonment was when the letter arrived. Now, the importance of this letter teaches us that only when God the Son took human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ was the believer's faith made sure. In other words, since God poured out his grace on all humanity, he cleanses his people from sin and transforms them to think and act like Jesus. In addition, we are to anchor ourselves in the theological teaching that instructs us to live uprightly as God desires us to live. And can I tell you this? Only obedience to the word of God produces right living. There's a scripture in the book of James that says, do not be deceived. You cannot just be hearers of God's word. We must be doers of God's word. If you want God's power to be manifested in your life, if you want all that God has for you, I'm here to tell you, not only hear the word, do the word, be doers of the word of God. So today we're going to talk about the importance of Christian unity in the body of Christ. Can I tell you this? Unity matters to God. Why does unity matter to God? Because how else in the world could he get all of us focuses? <laughs> all different, right? Backgrounds, all of that, and come together to be able to work together to be able to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. We are to be his hands and his feet. The last that I looked, Jesus is no longer walking the earth, Amen. When he ascended into heaven, he said to his disciples, now it's your turn. Go. Go out into all the world. Well, how are they going to go out if they're not using those hands and those feet? And so we are the church. And God is saying to all of us, we have got to now do the work that God has called us to do. And that is what? Reach out to the world around us and share the ever, everlasting love of Jesus Christ. That is our mission here at Hope Elam, for all of hope. Amen? So what is God's plan and purpose for bringing us together when I talked about the differences? Different races, different cultures. We are diverse socially, economically, politically. Well, I'll tell you why. Because when Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross, this is what he said to the disciples. You can talk whatever you want to talk. You can, you can talk game, but I'm here to tell you, you have to love one another the way that I've loved you. He said, only by this love will the world know, will it be proved that you are my disciples. 
And the reason why I say that is because the word of God, the, the, the world is hungry for the fruit that only can be produced by us living righteously, by us loving God and working together. The world needs to see that fruit. Amen? Amen. Let's take a look at what Paul says in Titus, starting with verse 3. I'm not going to read all of it. I'm going to bounce around a little bit. But here's what the Apostle Paul was saying to Titus and reminding the leaders in the church. And it should be a remembrance, a reminder to us too. Amen? Because can I tell you something? We haven't arrived. <laughs> Has anybody arrived? No, we're still a mess. Can I say that, Doc? We're still a mess. Amen. We're a work in progress. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Mm. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. And then if we drop down here, it says this. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. What the Apostle Paul was telling Titus is, listen, all the folks that are coming into the church that, that, that are looking for uh, uh, truth, we were once them. We were once in the position that they were, and so we can't ever forget that we are a work in progress, so we need to have the grace and the patience to be able to receive them for right where we're at. And can I tell you this? Amen. Amen. Our sin nature doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care what race you are. It doesn't care what culture you come from. It doesn't care what political stand you take. It doesn't care what social or economic status you hold. We are all equal because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says no one is righteous. No, not one. And so what the Apostle Paul was telling Titus is, listen, when you work together, our goal is to bring others into the faith. Amen? The Bible, you know, when we look at, at our, at our uh, uh, um, help me out, mission, thank you. <laughs> When we look at our mission, right, to reach out to the world around us, well, listen, the world needs to see Jesus, amen? The Bible says that it's the goodness of God, right, that draws all men unto him. So let me say this, God called us together. We did not call ourselves. And so unity matters to God. Let's take a look here at what we're going to look at today. What is unity? Why Christian unity is so very, very important? Why is Christian unity so darn hard? <laughs> and words matter because the heart matters. So let's take a look. What is biblical unity? Biblical unity is oneness of purpose, not sameness of persons. Let's say that again. Oneness of purpose, not sameness of persons. I love the fact that God has this creativity. If you look around, go ahead, look around, look around at your church family. 
We are not the same, we don't look the same, we don't have the same backgrounds, different cultures. All of those creative differences are because we are created by a creative God who must have thought that it was pretty darn awesome because the word of God says, and he created us and he said, it is good. Sometimes we just need to say that to ourselves. It is good. Can you put your hand on yourself and just say it? Say, ooh, God said, y'all ready for it? It is good. I, that's just fun to say. Isn't it just fun to say? <laughs> One of the core values that we have here at Hope Elam, and I love what it has to say, and I want us to take a look at it together. We are one body united in Jesus Christ. Here it comes. We are a church of individuals different in many ways, yet called together by God to be in what? One ministry and mission. As members of the same body, we become more effective when we work in harmony. As a unified whole among us, love for one another is the norm. Conflicts are resolved according to the teaching of Jesus Christ, and we seek to build each other up. Ooh, I love that. We seek to build each other up. Amen. We rejoice together, and we suffer together. One of the things I want to say is this church is so foundational in our theological teaching and what we believe about the Word of God. So if you want to take a picture with your phone, but that is every scripture that that core value is based on. Amen? So we always want to be transparent and let you know that we come straight from the Word of God, Miss Nancy. Amen? Amen. Amen. One of the other things, too, that I love, there's a scripture that God uses, and it's so cool because he shows us. Listen, he said different parts, right, but one body. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Look what it says. The human body has many parts. Wave your hands. Kick your feet. Stomp your feet. No. <laughs> but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Jesus Christ. And basically what he's saying here is the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Jesus Christ. All through the New Testament, it talks about how uh, we have been given spiritual gifts, different uh, techniques, different uh, gifts, uh, abilities to be able to do things. And can I just say this? I'm going to stop for just a moment. Can we just give a shout out to the production team? Yes. There are so many ministries and so much work to be done, but I just have to tell you, for every Sunday, for every Wednesday, for everything that is happening in here, they are excellent. They are always in place, always doing what God has called them to do. And so we all have our part, amen? Each and every one of us in here have different gifts that God is calling us to. Maybe God has called you to the food ministry. Maybe God has called you to the children's ministry. Can I just tell you that is not my gift? Amen. <laughs> sons, I love you. <laughs> but now that I'm out of the raising stage, this is not my gift. Amen. <laughs> but there are different gifts. God is calling people to teach classes. There's 70 times seven right now being taught, right? There's the production. There's worship. There are all the different areas. And God is saying, listen, find your place, serve, and do it as one. Because the hands, the feet, the legs, all of us, every part of our body is necessary. Amen? Amen. 
You know, following verse 12 in that, it goes on to say that in the body of Christ, it says there are some Jews, some Gentiles, we can say, right, we can say some are black, some are white, some are Hispanic, some are Republicans, some are Democrats, some are Iowa State fans. (laughs) Iowa fans. Oh, no, no, you left me hanging. We got to do that again. Scratch that. Ready? Iowa State fans. better. I'm so proud of you all. Good job. (laughs) You know, what's most important is scripture says this. We've all been baptized into one body. Say one body. By one spirit. And we all share the same spirit of God. Let's say it. We are one. That's good. Unity is oneness of purpose, not sameness of persons. And to drive this point home, I want you to take a look at this picture. (laughs) What? Well, first of all, is it making anybody hungry? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. (laughs) No, what I want to show you is this. The pretzel is kind of representative of our triune God. We have what? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are all one in essence, but distinct in personality, distinct in their role in what they play. Amen? So the first hole is not the second hole. The second hole is not the third hole, but they are all tied together by the same dough. So can I just say to my church family, we're all ooey and gooey and stuck together with the same dough. Woo! Amen? Amen. <laughs> Listen. Unity is not getting everybody to be the same. Rather, it's getting everybody to be on the same page. Can I get an amen? Amen. Have you guys ever been in a place where you're trying to work together, whether it be your job, whether it be any type of event, and you've got folks that are not working together? Huh? Yeah. One person is saying this, one person is saying that, one person's trying to lead, the other person over here isn't willing to follow. And and can I just ask you... Is the work getting done? No. And is it enjoyable to be around? (laughs) Amen. God is calling us. He said, listen, you can work together and retain your uniqueness. Why? Because we are better together. In fact, it is absolutely necessary for us to work together and be together because God says unity matters. We are the hands and the feet of the church. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I can't, I can't take these hands and feet and have them go 14 different ministries. Can you? Yep. So by a show of hands with all the ministries here, if you are teaching, if you are helping with kids, if you are in the kitchen, if you are helping with back here, if you are doing anything in worship, can you raise your hand? If you're serving in any way in the church, greeting, I don't care what it is. Look at that. Look, no, keep them up. Keep them up. Look at all the hands that it takes. Look at all the people that it takes to be able to do the work that God has called us to do. And we are all different, but yet we are in oneness of purpose. Amen? Let's look at the importance of of, uh, Christian unity. Well, there it is. Jesus prayed for it. Amen? Let's take a look. In John 17, 20 and 21, he says this. He's speaking to God the Father. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. 
So if you're here today and you are a believer, his prayer is for you. Amen? I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And they may be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. That right there is the purpose. That is the purpose of Christian unity, the importance of it. It says, Jesus Christ himself said, so that the world will believe you sent me. Christian unity produces the fruit that the world is hungry for. Psalm 133.1 says, the goodness of God, or excuse me, I apologize, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live in unity. So as we look around and we're walking in unity, you know where it starts? It starts with being able to come into the church and listen to sound doctrine together, embracing our uniqueness. And that's what was happening on the island of Crete. When the Apostle Paul was telling Titus, he said, listen, he said, the first thing that I want you to understand is that in order for the world to believe in the deity of Jesus Christ, we've got to live right. We've got to know the word of God for ourselves. So if you look around, look, we're, we're being the church right now. Right now, as we come together and we're listening to sound doctrine, we are learning how to be like Christ, how to live right. And here's the thing. As we listen to the word being preached and taught, you know what it does? It changes the way that we think and we live. We learn to love Christ more every single day. And can I tell you this? If you're not in the word and you're out in the world, you will not be producing the fruit that God is calling you to live. It's impossible because we cannot produce fruit that is of the spirit from our flesh. Amen? And so what is the world looking for? I don't know about you, but if, if the world sees us loving one another, being patient with one another, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, being gentle with one another, I'm going to tell you right now, they are going to want to come to church. They are going to want to know what is happening in your life. I remember when, <laughs> not to tattle on myself, but Back before I really gave my life to Christ, there were so many, so many different behaviors that I had no problem. It was what I was taught growing up. One of the big things, I think I've shared this with y'all, uh, you know, I had no problem taking things. And then I remember when I came into Christ and I saw that in the Old Testament it said, thou shalt not steal. And I went, uh-oh. <laughs> but as I began to get to know God, my Savior, you know what I learned? He's a giver, not a taker. And that as I learn to trust in God, guess what? I don't have to take anything because my God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. Amen? And so little bit by little bit, God begins to get a hold of our, of our minds and our hearts. And he begins to move us uh, down uh, the line. And we begin to be sanctified. And we begin to change so that we can look more and more like Jesus Christ. And why is this so important? Because I'm here to tell you that the word of God says, Jesus Christ, God says, I desire that no one perish, but all come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. As the church, as we come together and we work together, can I just say, isn't any amount of sacrifice or anything that God is calling us to do with our hands and our feet, any way that we need to change, if just one person comes to the saving knowledge and the Bible says all of heaven rejoices over one sinner who repents. Can I get an amen that it's going to be worth whatever we've got to give up? Whatever we've got to change? Whatever we've got to say yes to in our hearts? 
because I'm going to say this to you. When you leave this earth in death, you're going to stand before God, your creator. And God, your father, is going to ask a question. He's going to say, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? Because eternal life says that it's you know Jesus, you know him for yourself, and you know the one who sent him. And so if you can say to God the Father, I know Jesus Christ because I received him, I repented, he says he's going to say, welcome home, my good and faithful servant. And he's going to want to know, did you go out? Did you reach out? Did you do what I had called you to do as the church? Did you share the good news with as many people as, I can, as you could? Because we are not to keep it. it it's, like, it's like there being a disease. And, and somebody uh, creates the cure, and then the cure, and, and we're, people are knocking on the door saying, I need that cure, and the folks are inside saying, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll think about sharing it with you, but we just, we don't know when. Could you imagine that? And so that's, we've got a disease called sin, and the cure is Jesus Christ. Amen? And he wants us to run. He wants us to go out and share it with as many people as we can. You know why? Because tomorrow is not promised. Amen? You know, all we have to do is look around and see that our world is unraveling at a rapid pace. Anybody uh, dare to watch the news? There is so much hatred, so much evil, so much hurt all around the world. The enemy is looking to kill, steal, and destroy, and he will do anything that he can if you allow it. We are no longer the United States of America, but the divided states of America. The dividing walls have created so much conflict that people are struggling with even wanting to leave their homes. The depression, the anxiety, the fear is at an all-time high, and that is not God's will for his children. It is not God's will for us. So, whenever we have competing goals, you and I are going to have conflict. Let me just say this. Pastor uh, John, uh, a couple weeks ago, reminded us so clearly that in a football game, there is only one goal line, right? We have 11 players, different sizes, different races, different positions, but they're all on one offense, right? They're wearing the same color uniform, one goal, and that is to score, correct? But imagine this. Imagine if the quarterback came out and he's calling the, the, the play, right? And some of the other players literally stood up out of the huddle and said, yeah, I don't think I want to do that one. I think I want to do this one. And then all of a sudden another player says, yeah, I kind of like what he said. Why don't we do this one? He's only got so much time to complete, right, what he is uh, out on the field to complete. There would be no way that they would be able to accomplish what they were set out onto the field to do if they were not in oneness of purpose. Can I take it a little deeper? If you and I are not being obedient to God's will, if we're not being willing to live out God's word, we're not going to be heading towards divinely orchestrated unity. It, it takes every one of us to be connected to God, to be willing that when we recognize, you remember when, when Pastor Brown said we got to look inward before we can reach outward? So we've got to be willing to know that when the Holy Spirit begins to grieve in our spirit that we would look within. It's so easy. Can I tell you what the enemy does? He always wants you to look outward at everybody else. Well, if so-and-so would change, well, if so-and-so didn't say that, well, if so-and-so would do this, but that's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says this is personal. He says look inward. And I got to tell you, a couple weeks ago, 
I did not realize that I began to use the, the mouth piece that God had given me to edify and build up and to bless, and I began to use it in a way that was not pleasing to God. And so all of a sudden, I could just feel that something wasn't right between the Holy Spirit and I. And, and it was, uh, I, I came to my husband in the home, and you know what I said? You know what I said, Julian? I said, do you realize that I said in just about a week, I said, I'll be going to talk to the body of Christ about unity. And I said, we're not even united in our home. Where's the power in that? So you know what I had to do? I had to repent. I had to ask God to cleanse my heart. I had to ask him to set me on the right path once again. Can I get an amen? Don't tell me I'm the only one. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you what, the spirit of God restored himself to me. I was able to feel that peace of God and we were able to make things right. That does not change the fact that when Ben and I get in the car, he always wants to tell me how to drive. I'm like, where is the unity in that? Son, we're going to have to talk. (laughs) We will get in the car, and it's so funny because he will say, hey, why don't you drive? And I already know what's coming. Because the minute that I pull the car out of the driveway, this is what he does. Well, you need to get a little further over to the left. Well, you didn't stop at the stop sign. Do you know which corner we're going to be turning at? And I said, you know what I could do? I I could actually pull the car over, and there is another seat you could sit in. (laughs) Sometimes we got to do what we got to do to bring the unity to the household. Amen? Ben, are you driving home? Okay. <laughs> you know, this walk with God, it's, it's individual and it's collective. And guess what? It's not about the will of me, myself and I. It's but knowing who God is and living out his perspective. And you know what it's called? A kingdom mindset. We have to go to God and we have to surrender our will and our way like the Apostle Paul and we have to be able to say, yes, Lord, yes, to whatever it is that you're calling us to do. And can I just say this? we got to fight for unity. It isn't just going to be handed to us. we got to fight for it because we've got an enemy that says that he is uh, out to kill, steal, and destroy, that he is looking for those who he can devour. So i got a question for you. Have you heard the phrase in football, hold the line? Yeah. Let's look at hold the line. This is what hold the line means. Hold the line means maintain your defenses. Do not fall back. Do not let the enemy get past you. So I'm here to tell you that we, as the body of Christ, we can join together on one mission, one purpose, and we can hold that line. Say it with me. Hold that line. Speaking of that, my two sisters, come on up. My two sisters, come on up. Kyrie, I need you, sir. (laughs) I think I need a couple more sisters. You two, come on up, please. All right. We're going to go ahead and do this. We're going to let these ladies represent that they are the body of Christ that we are working on one accord for one mission. Kyrie, you're out here, bruh. You're, you're, you're the, you're the, you know, okay. So what I need you ladies to do is I need you to lock arms, not with me, lock arms, lock arms. You are the body of Christ. You have come and you've said, yes, Lord, yes. You are working together in all different positions. You are unique. But you are saying, you know what? Because I love God and because I want to do what God has called me to do, we are going to hold the line. Amen? So when differences come, when struggles come, when things need to happen, you're going to be willing to do whatever it takes to work that out so that this line is never broken. Amen? So when the enemy comes, 
Oh, and he's coming, right? He's coming. So here's what I want you to do. You stand back here. Now, don't hurt him, okay? Because you could like, you know. But I want you to do your, just, just give him a little something so you press in and push and you try to get through that line. You ready? Go ahead, Kyrie. Push it through. No, no, come on, come on. Push, 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 push. Work it. Yeah, come on. You can do it. No, he didn't do it. And why? Because they held the line, amen? Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Woohoo! <laughs> we got to hold the line. We got to be willing to come into the house of God and we've got to be willing to say, listen, because I know the word and because I'm going to look inward and because I know that this, is re this relationship is personal, that when God tells me that I need to say I'm sorry, I'm going to say I'm sorry. That when the word of God tells me that I need to say, you know what, I made a mistake, say I made a mistake. That when you need to go to your brother and sister and say, you know what, the words that I spoke to the other day, they were not kind and I owe you an apology. Hold the line. Amen? When you feel like you've got a difference and somebody has hurt you, you go to that person and you say, can we sit down and talk about this? Because let me tell you that when we had our conversa uh, conversation the other day, it, it made me feel like, and I, I need you to help me to understand, hold the line. When someone has hurt you, and they are going to hurt you, folk hurt you. Can I get an amen? We're broken, right? We are going to hurt each other from time to time. And I'm going to tell you this. Can I tell you the biggest way that you hold the line? Forgiveness. Jesus Christ said, the world will know that you are my disciples, that when you love me the way that I have loved you. He went to the cross and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We cannot be in the body of Christ, say that we're working together on this common goal, wanting to see the word of God moving forward, and we're walking in unforgiveness. And I am not for any way, shape, or form, please hear my heart. I am not saying that forgiveness is easy. I am not saying that it is not steps that we must take. But when you outright say, I will not forgive, can I tell you what the word of God says? If you do not forgive, your Father in heaven, come on, finish it, somebody who knows the word, will not forgive you. There is a difference between taking steps and working towards forgiveness and willfully choosing not to forgive. And we can't do it in our own strength. Can I just say that? We cannot forgive one another in our own strength. But when you choose to forgive and you begin to make those steps, you are holding the line. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We don't want to stop what the work is that God is calling us to do. So we've got to do what God is calling us to do. And the first thing he did was forgive us. Every day he forgives us. Who are we to then look at our brother and sister and say, I will not forgive you? Amen? Amen. You know, biblical unity is oneness of purpose, not sameness of persons. We've talked about how Christian unity is important because it proves to the world that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who 
the Father sent to take away the sins of the world, our love for one another and our willingness to work together, it's got to come from a place of authenticity. It's got to come from a place where you are working at that relationship that you have with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's quickly take a look at why is Christian unity so hard? <laughs> People. <laughs> That's me. That's you. That's us. Christian unity is hard because... It's a very high call. It's about fulfilling uh, the reality of his redeeming love for us, not idyllic expectations. Amen? I love what Joyce Meyer says. She's an author and teacher, and she says this. <laughs> if you're looking for a perfect church, you won't find it, because as soon as you walk through the doors, it will no longer be perfect anymore. <laughs> and all that, you know, what that's saying to me and what it's saying to us is, not, not, not one of us is right, right? We, we are working with uh, a few different reasons. Let's take a look. I'll tell you what we struggle with. The struggle is real. Can, can somebody say that? The struggle is real. Okay. All of us are still battling indwelling sin. I don't think that I see Jesus in the room. Amen? All of us are still battling indwelling sin. The Word of God says, what? The very thing that I want to do, I don't. And the very thing that I should do, I don't. Right? Because it says what? The flesh is battling the spirit. We will always be battling until we leave this earth. But here's the key word. Battling. Amen? We want to be working at overcoming that sin. Second, the pain and suffering that this world can bring is painful and it's at times devastating. The endeavor, the willingness to say yes to dying to self and living by the power of the spirit, learning how to love one another in Christ, uh, it costs us dearly, amen? And it's difficult, but God says it's not impossible. If we are willing to partner with the power and the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, amen? And we've got some really good news here because we're in good company. Look at some of the things that the Apostle Paul had to say to some of the churches. We're almost done, amen. He had to reprove the Corinthians for their quarreling and divisions. No quarreling here, right? No divisions within the church. No, not at all. He warns the Galatians against the danger of rivalries and dissensions and divisions. He entreats Euodia and Syntyche in Philippi to agree in the Lord. What? People are disagreeing in the church? No. Gene and Paul, absolutely not. <laughs> he instructs the Colossians, you've got to forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. And he exhorts the Ephesians, listen, stop the corruptive talk. Stop talking in such a way that's grieving the Holy Spirit. Put away the bitterness, the wrath, the anger, the clamor, the slander, along with all malice, because what it does is it, it infiltrates the heart. Amen? And, and we're going to talk about that's the last thing that we want to talk about. But before that, I've got some encouragement for you. We have not arrived. Paul had not arrived. This is one of my favorite scriptures of all time. Here's the Apostle Paul telling us to stay the course. I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made, but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong, by no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal, 
where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. Can y'all say that with me? I'm not turning back. Let's try it one more time. I'm not turning back. Amen. Amen. So let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us, if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. God will clear your blurred vision. Yep, you'll see it yet. Thank you, Marvin. Appreciate you, bruh. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Amen? And here's what I want to say for, for somebody in here. It, it got into the word for a reason. Somebody here really struggles with a critical spirit. Someone here struggles with when you make mistakes, when you, when you do things that you know is not pleasing to God, you literally just beat, beat yourself up. And God is saying through that, forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Know that God loves you. Know that he understands. Know that he gets it, that we have not arrived. And the Bible says his mercy is new every single day. And do you want to know how I know why I can say that? Because I'm one that struggles with it. When I was growing up, I never felt that I was enough. I never, ever felt that I was ever going to be good enough. And so when I came into Christ, that root, that issue was still there. And from time to time, when I'm working through my relationship with God and I'm serving God, that voice whispers, and especially when I make mistakes, and I make mistakes, I sin. I do things that hurt people, and I'm telling you, God says I'm more than enough. He is more than enough. And so you turn to him, you make sure that you let him know, hey, I'm going to forgive myself, I know who I am in Christ Jesus, and the last thing that I want to share with you is this. Christian unity is hard, but we need to promote it, and we do that by watching our mouths. Amen? Let's take a look. Nothing more centrally defines who we are and why we do everything than the heart. The Bible says that the heart is mentioned over 1,000 times. Do you think it might be a little important? Mm -hmm. The heart is that spiritual part of us where the emotions and the desires dwell. Scripture says, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. So we've got a choice. Are we going to use our words to build up, to edify, to affirm? Because that's what unites the body of Christ. But if we want to tear it down, all we've got to do is start gossiping, complaining, criticizing one another, pulling out judgment. And I'm here to tell you, your church, your church body, your family, whoever it is that you're connected to, it will fall apart very quickly if you do not watch your mouth. So this is what God showed me. These are my prayers, and I want to share it with you. Take control of what I say, O oh Lord, and guard my lips. I say it every day. <laughs> May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. God will give you the strength to put a guard over your mouth and over your lips and he will begin to help you so that you don't tear down. You don't use this, this tongue of power. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Right? Sticks and stones. But words may never hurt me. Words will never hurt me. Lie. 
Has anybody here been hurt by words that have been spoken? Oh, Jesus, right? So God is saying, listen, we've got to make sure that we watch our mouth, that we use our words because the heart matters. Amen? If there is one action call that I can give you today that you could take out and begin to work at unifying the body of Christ, of being able to come in and build up the body of Christ so that we can go out and reach the world for Jesus Christ, watch your mouth. Ask God to help you with those words. Amen? So as we begin to stand for worship, I'm going to close with Paul's plea to God's children. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility, all gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one Spirit. There is one body. Just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is over all, in all, and through all. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope-elam.org.